this is Dr. Ed Hill, host of This Week in the Word, where we grow in our knowledge of the Word of God and our walk with Christ. I'm happy that you joined us for our podcast today. We're right in the middle of a series called Behold Your God. It's from the Gospel of John. We're in the 16th chapter of the Gospel of John today. We're talking about moving from victimhood to victory today. When we look at John chapter 16, it is literally only a few hours until the betrayal of Christ in the garden by Judas, and then the disciples will abandon him. And by a few hours, I mean within the Gospel of John, it may be within the next hour or so. So it's very close to happening. If there's anyone in world history who could claim victimhood, it would be the Lord Jesus Christ. But he is not a victim, my friends. He is actually the victor. I want to suggest to you today that there are many groups probably an unnumberable number. It's hard to say that word, but a lot of groups. And every group that identifies with victimology would love to identify you with that group and put a label on you and affirm you so that you are acceptable to that group. But the problem is you will then be wearing around a, a victim label on your life. I'm going to give you an example from two things from my life growing up, and I'm not going to go into detail about them. They weren't, probably if other people saw them or knew about them, they'd say, well, they're not terribly uh, terribly traumatic. But I was thinking recently about events in my life, and I can kind of identify two or three things that would very easily allow me to claim victimhood and just be defeated the rest of my life, you know, if I wanted to do that. But that's not who I am in Christ. Sometimes we use the phrase, uh, I'm doing pretty well under the circumstances. And my question for you is, what are you doing under there? <laughs> if you're a believer in Christ, you, you are not under any circumstances. You're in Christ. Now, I can understand if you joined us today, and you do not make any claim to be a Christian, or maybe you have been around church your whole life, but you feel distant from God, very probably you feel like you're living under circumstances. And life may, in fact, uh, really truly be difficult for you, and I don't even minimize that. You may feel like you are a victim of some very serious and real things. Well, you may be even one of those that are triggered by certain people or words or you know whatever it is that triggers people today. You may feel like you're searching for a safe space all the time. I have a word for you today from John chapter 16. You know, the Eagles recorded a great song, Get Over It. And if you read the lyrics to that song, it kind of talks about the whole idea that everybody's a victim today. And it's, it's really a fairly old song, but 
The world wallows in victimhood. And there are people, listen to me very clearly, if you've been labeled as a victim in some way, and it may be a real thing that got you labeled that way, but hear me clearly. There are people with an agenda. There are groups with an agenda who want to use you in their agenda. They don't really care about you, but you're useful to them and they want to keep you a victim. And I have a a message for you today. If you allow that and you accept that in your life, then you're allowing them to use you and keep you down in victimhood. But if you name the name of Christ, Christ has already moved you from victimhood to victory. Now, in John chapter 16, let's go there. John chapter 16, when I find it, I'm going to read some of it here. I thought I had it there. All right, here we go. John chapter 16. These are the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, as I mentioned, just within maybe an hour or two or less of actually being betrayed in the garden by Judas and deserted, you know, the disciples headed for the tall grass, let's be honest, when all of this happened. So here in John 16, Jesus Christ speaks further. These things have I spoken unto you, that ye should not be offended. They shall put you out of the synagogues. Yea, the time cometh, that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God's service. And these things will they do unto you because they have not known the Father nor me. But these things have I told you that when the time shall come, ye may remember that I told you of them. And these things I said not unto you at the beginning, because I was with you. But now I go my way to him that sent me, and none of you asketh me, whither goest thou? But because I have said these things unto you, sorrow hath filled your heart. Jesus predicts tough times ahead. Now, I don't want to get off too far in this direction, but I do want to make a point here. Many people doubt and scoff about something in the Bible called the rapture of the church, where Christ comes back for his church before the tribulation period and the wrath of God happens on planet earth. Personally, from what I see going on in the news, and I I get very specific when we do a series in the near future about Bible prophecy. Personally, I feel that 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 event is imminent. It's very near. It could happen at any moment based on what I know about history and what I know about the Bible. So Christ alluded to that in John 14, 1. You may want to go back and listen to the episode regarding chapter 14 of John. Some of the critics of a pre-tribulation rapture charge those who believe in a pre-tribulation rapture with wanting to um, 
you know, escape persecution. And that's the reason we think that. Well, Christ said what he said in John 14, 1 about the rapture. Here, though, he clearly tells us, especially the disciples, but I believe any believer who reads this after they lived, he tells believers that, hey, tough times are ahead for all of you, even though there is a pre-tribulation rapture. You see, even though there's a pre-tribulation rapture, there's no guarantee that you and I will not suffer for Christ. In fact, we know that we will because all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. That's from the Bible. So it may be big or little, but we'll all go through something because we name the name of Christ. But that in no way demolishes the fact that there will be a pre-tribulation rapture of the church. And anyway, that's not even my point today, but I did want to put that there. So Christ warns all believers in him that tough times are ahead. And it was mostly, most directly given to the disciples because they would go through what he said right here. Now, I want you to think with me. Put yourself in the sandals of the disciples for a moment. (laughs) Jesus Christ, with whom they have traveled Israel for three years, they have been privileged not only to hear his public teaching, but his private teaching just with them. This was a very special relationship that the Lord Jesus Christ had with these disciples. But here he tells them, uh, by the way, you're going to be put out of the synagogues. What? You know, where the people I've grown up with, where I've worshipped God my whole life, they're going to put me out? Yep. Also, it, it gets worse before it gets better. He says, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God's service. Kill? it's sort of like, that's not the discipleship I signed up for. Well, he's warning them here that tough times are ahead. And he goes on to say, and also, I'm leaving. What? (laughs) And I'm not making light of this. I'm saying this must have been mind-boggling for the disciples because everything that they had grown accustomed to is about to change. And I want you to write this down on a rock and bury it because it'll be true if the Lord doesn't come first. It'll be true a hundred years from now. As Christians, we act like we're in Disneyland and we're not. This is not Disneyland. It is a battlefield. Let that sink in. Tough times are ahead because you, as a believer in Christ, will remain faithful to Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the world system and professing believers who probably do not even know Christ personally, other people will try to convince you that you're a victim. You should just cow down and give in to victimhood and just wallow in that because this is just terrible what you're going through. Hey, it's not Disneyland. It's a battlefield, yo. 
You understand what I'm saying? And Jesus Christ warned us this right here. Tough times are ahead. But there's good news. We will have a comforter in tough times. Look in John 16 and let's go to verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he is come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they believe not on me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and ye see me no more of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. I have yet many things to say unto you, but ye cannot bear them now. Howbeit, when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you Things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. All things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore said I that he shall take of mine and shall show it unto you. A little while, and ye shall not see me. And again, a little while, and ye shall see me because I go to the Father. Now, even though tough times are ahead, my friend, we have a comforter in tough times. Now, I'm going to mess with the theology of some of you. The one who is spoken of here is the comforter, the parakletos, is the Holy Spirit of God. Notice that he never refers to the Spirit of God as it. The Spirit of God is not a thing or a force. The Spirit of God is a he. In the Greek, the personal pronoun for he. The Spirit of God is a person, the third person of the Trinity. Pastor Ed, Pastor Ed, explain the Trinity to me. I can't. We don't have time. And it's bigger than our small minds anyway. But right here in this passage, you have Jesus the Son, the Holy Spirit, and the Father. So God the Son, God the Spirit, and God the Father. All right here in this verse. So he's explaining here that even though tough times are ahead, and we can't change that, we will have a comforter in tough times, and he will actually live in us. It is the Spirit of Christ. While Christ was in his earthly ministry, traveling the roads of Israel with the disciples, going from village to village, town to town, preaching the gospel, the good news, he was physically limited by his physical human body, the perfect God, man. Now that he has been crucified, buried, 
resurrected, and ascended. He comes to live in our hearts by faith, and now he lives inside every believer in Christ. He is God, and he is able to be with all of us at once. Let that sink in. So the Comforter is coming, and he will have a convicting work. He will convict the world of sin. He will guide believers into the truth. And he will show, he says here, show you things to come. So the rest of the New Testament would be inspired by him and written by the apostles. And future Bible prophecy is written through them uh, within all of that. So the Comforter comes to live within us during these tough times, and he's always with us and will never leave us. That is an amazing thing. You know, if I thought I had to continue one more day in this insane world, an increasingly insane world that I live in, I don't know if I could do it. I I just don't see how lost people can make it from day to day. And it's starting to dawn on me, even though I do not uh, drink alcohol. I don't know if you do, but I don't, and I've just chosen uh, not to. So here's the point I want to make to you. I'm starting to understand as I watch the world today why people get slammed with drugs and alcohol. This is nutsville in this world, and and we live in America. You can only imagine what it's like in third world countries. I can understand why people want out of this or they want to turn it off or numb it through some addiction or or diversion to take their minds and hearts off of the miserable condition this world is in and the misery that they live in. I get it. So I'm glad that as a believer in Christ, Jesus lives within me by his spirit as a comforter. That word comforter is parakletos. It's a a helper who comes alongside to help us. He actually indwells us. We, as believers in Christ, we are now the temple of God. But there's also a new relationship. Man, this just gets better and better. Here in John 16, let's go back to verse 16 and continue there. A little while, and ye shall not see me. And again, a little while, and ye shall see me, because I go to the Father. Then said some of his disciples among themselves, What is this that he saith unto us? A little while, and ye shall not see me. And again, a little while, and ye shall see me. And because I go to the Father? They said, therefore, what is this that he saith? A little while. We cannot tell what he saith. Now Jesus knew that they were desirous to ask him and said unto them, Do ye inquire among yourselves of that I said, a little while, and ye shall not see me, and again a little while, and ye shall see me? Verily, verily. I say unto you that ye shall weep and lament, but the world shall rejoice, and ye shall be sorrowful, but 
your sorrow shall be turned into joy. A woman, when she is in travail, has sorrow because her hour is come. And, but as soon as she is delivered of the child, she remembereth no more the anguish for joy that a man is born into the world. And ye now therefore have sorrow. But I will see you again, and your heart shall rejoice. In your joy no man taketh from you. So we have a new relationship promised here. You see, as they walk the roads of Israel for three years in the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, they could look over there, and there he was. There's Jesus healing that paralytic. There's Jesus restoring sight to the blind. There's Jesus multiplying the fish and the loaves. There he is. We see him. But that was about to change because once he was crucified, dead, buried, resurrected, and ascended, even though uh, before the ascension, he would appear to them several times for those uh, 10 days before, before he ascended. So the main thing I want to point out to you is this. They could see him. But now, for a time, they would not see him. And, and for sure, they would have deep sorrow and regret and lament during the days when Christ was still in the tomb. But then he would arise and they would see him again. Are you following me on this? But then he would ascend to the Father and they would not see him again like they had been accustomed to in the earthly ministry or even after the resurrection. But he promises something to them here. And that is, even though there's going to be sorrow, your sorrow will turn to joy and no man is going to ever be able to take that joy from you. A new relationship is given here with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's just... It just gets better. Now, it's going to get even better now. Watch what we're going to read starting in verse 23. Not only are tough times ahead, but a comforter we will have in tough times who will live in us, Christ himself, by his spirit, a new relationship. But there's also going to be a new openness that we have never experienced before. Look in John 16, verse 23, and we'll read all the way through verse 30. And in that day, ye shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. Ask, and ye shall receive that your joy may be full. These things have I spoken unto you in Proverbs, but the time cometh when I shall no more speak unto you in Proverbs, but I shall show you plainly of the Father. At that day you shall ask in my name, and I say not unto you that I will pray the Father for you, 
Watch this. For the Father himself loveth you, because ye have loved me and have believed that I came out from God. I came forth from the Father and am come into the world. Again, I leave the world and go to the Father. His disciples said unto him, Lo, now speakest thou plainly, and speakest no proverb. Now are we sure that thou knowest all things, and needest not that any man should ask thee. By this we believe that thou camest forth from God. So there is, there are tough times ahead, The Comforter lives in us, even in the tough times. We are entered into a new relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And now, as we've just read, there's a new openness here. I want to show you something that I maybe I've studied it before and forgotten it, or somebody preached or taught on it, and I've heard it before and forgot it, but... Right now, to me, this is a brand new thing. Brand new. And I, I, I don't know. Maybe I've never heard it or seen it before. Look in, uh, let's see, I don't want to lose. Uh, verse 27. For the Father himself loveth you. That word loveth is the Greek word phileo. And it, it's the idea, and I want to use a, a phrase that we use a lot so that it kind of helps you identify with this. The Father himself has friended you. The word phileo is not the Greek word for love that we hear so often in the New Testament, agape, you know, the sacrificial, unmerited, undeserved love of God because he is love. It's not that word here. The word is phileo, the Greek word that has to do with someone who is a close friend. Read that again. For the Father himself loveth you. One time, many years ago, I preached a message, and I made the point in the message that God doesn't just love you. He actually likes you. Wow. One of my church members not i mean it was like maybe that same week after the message told me he said when you said that i never thought of the relationship like that that god doesn't just love me so he died for me and to save me and all of that i mean all of that's true but he said the idea that god wants to be my friend that god actually likes me he said, I've, I've never known that. And it, it was uh, revolutionary for him. Now, look back at verse 27 in John 16. For, for the Father himself loveth you, because ye have loved me. Hey, guess what? That's the same Greek word, phileo. Because we have become friends with Jesus He friended us and we friended him back. That's basically what God has done and the Lord Jesus Christ has done, but not in the the superficial Facebook way. I I don't mean that at all, but just if, if we can do that on Facebook, imagine what this means if God friends us 
and we know we're the friends of God. Wow. If we know that that we have Christ has friended us and He's chosen us as His friends and we are His friends. For the Father Himself loveth you because ye have loved me and He believed that I came out from God. Remember also that we stressed earlier in this, this series that the main reason John wrote his gospel was so that you might believe Jesus Christ is God and that you might receive Him as Savior and Lord, be forgiven of your sins, and have eternal life. That's the reason John wrote his gospel. And Christ alludes to that right here again. I mean, the word believe in various forms, depending on the form you look for, is in the gospel of John anywhere from something like 40 to 80 times or more. So it's, it's everywhere in the gospel of John. So we are friends with God and God likes that. We're not friends with God and God tolerates us. God is happy to have us as his friends. I, I don't know about you, but that's just so humbling, so humbling to me. And because of this, we don't need, as some people are raised and taught, to have the uh, Virgin Mary to intercede for us with Christ, to, I guess, I think the way they look at it, intercedes with God for us. We don't need um, the apostles to intercede for us or various saints. Jesus himself said right here, you will now be able to ask God directly and God will answer your prayers. Amazing. What a new openness. What a new openness. I remember when I was in elementary school, we used to have something called Safety Patrol sponsored by, I think it was AAA Motor Club and it helped promote school safety, you know, around crossing zones and that kind of thing. Anyway, if you were a school safety patrol, trust me on this. It was a big deal. And we got to wear little white sashes with a badge on it, you know, that we were a school safety patrol. And I wanted to be one so bad. And and my friend across the street, uh, uh, Butch Goins, was one. And I, I said, can you talk to Mr. Lovett? He was the one that organized the safety patrol. Can you talk to him about me becoming one? And I needed him to intercede for me. And he did. And, and uh, I, I became one. I was so happy. Well, I don't need Mr. Lovett to uh, get me in good with God the Father. Wow. There's a new openness here. And I know it's hard to imagine, but wait, there's more. It's even better. <laughs> let's look a little farther here. Uh, let's see, verse, uh, where are we going here? Verse 31. There's also peace in a world of trouble. Now, I can't make the world stop being a problem. The cosmos, this world system, it has a prince in it, and that is Lucifer, that is Satan. 
the devil. He is, he is not like a co-God. He's not the brother of Jesus Christ, as some people believe. He's not. Jesus Christ, as God, created Lucifer. Lucifer rebelled against the rule of Christ. And he is in a, he thinks he's going to win, but man, how self-deceived can you be? (laughs) Pride entered in, he rebelled against God, and he is the prince of this world. And he controls and orchestrates this world system, this cosmos, uh, K-O-S-M-O-S in Greek. And the cosmos can refer to the world that God created, which it does. It can also refer to the, uh, the world system, the ebb and flow of the world. Have you ever wondered why the world seems to think the same thing sometimes all at one time? Well, it's in that flow of that world system that Satan, Lucifer, coordinates Now, that doesn't mean he tells each person what to think and believe, but uh, we'll get more into all of that in another series. But the, the point I'm making is he is the spirit of this age. And so we live in a cosmos, a world system of trouble. I mean, that's just, let's not sugarcoat this. As I mentioned earlier, we are not in Disneyland. We're walking through a battlefield. On a battlefield you are shot at. There are mines everywhere that you you can't see. It's very threatening to walk through this battlefield. And yet Christ is with us by His Spirit. We have a new relationship with Him. There's a new openness between us and the Father because of Jesus Christ, God the Son. But there's still trouble as we walk through this world. Can I get a witness? Amen. John 16, verse 31. Jesus answered them. And let me let me say this before I go further here. I like how the Lord Jesus Christ brings us as disciples to a certain point, and then we say, Okay, we get it. And then he, he brings us up short, sort of, and says, do you really get it? Because, because when we say we get it, it's like we barely scratch the surface, and there's so much beyond that that we don't even know that we don't know. And he's always in the process of growing us into strong sons and daughters of God. Jesus answered them, Do ye now believe? Behold, the hour cometh, is now come, that ye shall be scattered, every man to his own, and shall leave me alone. And yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. These things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Now, friends, I want us to focus like a laser right here on this, these last few verses, especially the last verse, verse 33. 
Christ says that he has overcome the world. That's the Greek word, nikeo. It is, and I don't want to weird you out here, but I do need to explain something to you. I'm not a Greek grammarian, so I looked up what the experts said. This word for victory in Greek, that's what Nike, like if you, uh, I don't like Nike anymore for various reasons, and you may or may not, that's up to you. But Nike is the Greek word for victory. So Jesus has has become victor over the world system. He he is victorious over the world system. Another word you could use is he has conquered this world system. But he's overcome the world. Now the Greek word there is in the perfect active indicative sense. Let me break that down for you. And this is worth concentrating on. So put all your mental uh, power to work right here. Perfect tense means it's a past completed action that has ongoing, continuing results. For example, when I married Barbara, that was a past event that was completed, but it has wonderful ongoing results three decades later. That may be a terrible analogy, but, I, but it's the only one I could think of like that, just to, just to give you a very human example of that. But it's also in the active voice, meaning he did it. That is, I'm not trying to be victorious. Jesus Christ already is victorious. The, the benefits and results and conditions that flow from that are still flowing, and I just get in the flow of those results. I don't try to to get the victory, as we say sometimes. I already have the victory because I'm in Christ, and He is already completely victorious, and I just live and go with the flow in that. It's also indicative, meaning, hey, it's a fact It's a fact. It's a reality. Well, I don't feel victorious, Pastor Ed. I didn't ask you to feel anything. This is like a legal thing. Hey, it happened whether you were in the courtroom and saw it or not. It happened. It's on record, baby. Jesus says here, be of good, but be of good cheer. Now the word cheer there, good cheer, the Greek word tharseo is courage, but be of good courage. I have overcome the world. Man, do, do you realize what that means? Do you realize what it means? Yeah, tough times are ahead, but he lives in me. There's a new relationship and a new openness. And yeah, I live in a world of trouble. So what? I still can have the peace of God because I'm with the king who's already won the war. Listen, we don't fight for victory. We fight from victory. I'm not trying to get the victory. I already have victory because of Jesus Christ. 
say, well, I don't always perfectly live that out. Hey, I don't know anybody who does, all right? But, but the start, the starting point to, to move from victimhood to victory is to realize, well, wait a minute, I'm not a victim of anything. This is a tough world. Jesus told me in advance it's tough. Evil people do evil things to other people. Satan hates us. The world, we've already seen in the podcast in previous episodes, Jesus says the world, the cosmos, this world system ruled by Satan hates you when you believe in Jesus Christ. You are the enemy to the world and that's not going to change. We're not going to win the whole world to Jesus, although we don't know who will come to Christ. We do have the privilege and opportunity and responsibility to reach out for Christ as ambassadors for Him because it may be that person that's being the problem to you right now, you may lead them to Christ and they join our team. Amen. That'd be great. But, but we don't fight for victory. We fight from the victory and it's not one we achieve. Jesus already achieved it. It's done. And we, we have to remember moment by moment as he lives in us to basically let him live his life, his victorious life through us so that we have his peace, we experience his peace in the middle of a very troubling world. Now, Romans 8 verse 37 is, is something I want you to hear, especially now if you're not a believer, you need to believe in Christ so you can get in on what I'm about to read. But if you are now today a true believer in Jesus Christ, get ready to be blessed. Romans 8.37. Paul has just given us in the verses before what I'm going to read, he's just given us questions like, hey, can what can separate us from the love of, love of God? And he lists all these things and the answer is nothing can. And he sums it all up in Romans 8.37 and says, nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. That word more than conquerors is a version of this word, but it means super conquerors. Let that sink in, friends. In Christ, because he loves us and we're saved and he's in us and we're in him and we have his peace, even though we're in a battlefield, it is not Disneyland. We are super conquerors through Christ, through him that loved us. Wow. Think of it this way. The weakest Christian on his worst day ever is already victorious in Christ. We just have to begin to let him live that out in us and through us. Now what happens though if people who are actually Christians don't recognize this truth and don't apply it moment by moment, day by day, throughout the rest of their Christian life. What happens? Well, and I try to think of three crazy examples, but I think these will 
you will feel these examples. All right, number one, it would be like Civil War era slaves in the South thinking they had to stay on the master's plantation after the Civil War was over and they were free. Or it would be like Nazi death camp survivors feeling like they had to stay in the camp after the airborne troops rescued them. Or it would be like military prisoners of war feeling like they had to stick around the prisoner of war camp after the war was won by their army. Wow. Simply amazing. But if we were to be like those slaves, like those death camp survivors, or like those military prisoners of war, we would be living in victimhood. We would be convincing ourselves wrongly that we were defeated. We had no hope. There was no way to win. That, listen, if you're in Christ, that's wrong. Romans 8.37 says, Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors, super conquerors, through him that loved us. And at the end of John 16, verse 33, Christ says, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation. That's the word trouble. But be of good cheer, be of good courage, is what that means. I have overcome the world. I thank you for listening today, and I pray that as a believer in Christ, this strengthens your identity with Christ and your walk with Christ. If you are not yet a Christian, I urge you today to call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. If you place your full faith and trust in him, that what he did on the cross paid the price for your sins, and you invite him into your life to be your Savior and Lord, you call on the name of the Lord, the Bible says you will be saved. If you need help with this, or if you have questions about that, call this number, 888-537-8720. One more time, 888 888- 537-8720 and someone will speak with you about the questions you have or the decision you are making to become a Christian. Thank you again for listening. Uh, I also ask you to do me a favor if you would be so kind. Would you please let people know about our podcast This Week in the Word and that is hosted at www dredhill.podbean.com. That's D-R-E-D-H-I-L-L, no period after the D-R, D-R-E-D-H-I-L-L dot podbean, P-O-D-B-E-A-N dot com. And if people want to make it difficult, they can search for it on Apple or Google 
uh, Google Play, but just type that in a browser on your tablet, computer, or phone, and the site will come right up. And you can even download the free app and listen to everything you want to as uh, anytime you want to. Thank you again for listening. God bless you is my prayer. We'll be back on the on the next uh, next episode next week when we go to John 17 and see the high priestly prayer of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, and God bless you.